Welcome to the Free From Binge Eating Podcast with me, Breed, your host. Binge eating sucks. Trust me, I know. I was stuck in that spiral of binge, restrict, diet, yo-yoing weight loss, feeling guilty and ashamed, and hating my body for 10 years. Now that I'm out, I'm turning my pain into purpose by helping you stop binging, start loving your body, self, and life again. It's time to live free from binge eating. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to episode 109 with Jessie Golden. Jessie is a health and mindset coach with a focus on helping women improve their relationships with food and achieving physique goals while keeping this at the forefront. She has such a calm and caring vibe. You're going to love her. Our expertise definitely overlaps quite a bit, so it's very relevant for you guys, but there will be some new drops of wisdom throughout as well. I actually found her on Instagram because she did an online course that I did by this business owner called Rebel Nutrition, or her name is Amy. And the name is a bit misleading. She started off as a nutritionist, but now she helps people create online courses and then sell them and basically scale passive income. So I did that course a few months ago because as you guys know, I have two online courses, the 30 Day Reboot and Body Love Academy, and I wanted help with selling the course in a more automated way. Jessie, I found her on Amy's page because Jessie did the same course that I did, Passive Income Academy, and had a ton of success with it, with her course launching. So I thought, selfishly, I'd have her on here as well to pick her brain a little bit on the business side of things. First, we will dive into all things food, healing your food relationship, working towards physique goals in a healthy, sustainable way. Towards the end, we'll dive into business. So feel free, by all means, to drop out then if it's not relevant for you. But if you're an online coach, if you have your online business with a digital product, an online course, and you're interested to hear more on that, definitely stick around to the end. One quick update. You guys may have seen that I have a new masterclass out, how to not binge eat when we're emotional due to things like stress, boredom, tiredness, sadness. This was highly requested by you guys. I did a huge vote and it was a landslide win for this kind of topic. So it's in the show notes. Definitely scroll down to join that. But first, let's get into this episode. Without further ado, let's meet Jesse in three, two, one. Jesse, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you here. I feel like I'm really excited to like chat and ask you so many questions. And I feel like the audience is going to love this episode as well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Exciting. So what I usually do with um, guest episodes is like some quick fire questions to loosen things up and they're very silly and fun so first one where are you from Albuquerque New Mexico oh cool is that where you are right now no I'm in uh, New York City now I've been here since March awesome moved awesome. here recently how about um what makes you feel sexy oh I probably when I'm most in alignment with what my what I feel my purpose is so when I feel like I'm very embodied in what I'm meant to be doing mm-hmm. yeah what do you feel like your purpose is it changes I was actually thinking <laughs> about that today um I I really do feel like I'm not one of those people who has like one purpose that is just gonna yeah. be it for the rest of their life so I feel like my purpose is more in how I interact with other people mm-hmm. and how that will transpire outwardly and in my actual tactical work I think is going to shift throughout my life so still kind of working on it that's interesting yeah that's like a really 
good way to view it because I I feel like a lot of people get blocked by that it's got to be one thing one purpose for the rest of your life and finding that one purpose but if it's something more transcendental kind of like yours I think that's even relieving totally I mean I've had to make it that way because I was driving myself crazy trying to figure out the thing I just don't think that exists for me oh I feel like my entire 20s was spent trying to find the thing (laughs) torment feeling tormented by it I mean society makes us feel like we have to find the thing in people in our job and everything and I just don't think that's realistic yeah and I feel like we have to find that thing the sooner the better like get into it now so you can build on that thing for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. The timeline yeah. is just so old school, but yes. people can't, I fall into that trap for sure. I don't know how old you are, but I'm 32. And I feel like once you turn 30, there was this unspoken, like larger amount of pressure that I definitely felt on me in terms of meeting timelines. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 29. So I feel like I'm I'm at that place where you're like, oh, I'm about to turn 30. Oh my God. Like everything mm-hmm. has to be, I'm an adult now. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're officially an adult yeah. in your mind. No one else really gives a shit, but. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the amount of times my parents try to convey that message to me of, you know, try things out in your twenties, take risks. You, you know, you're still so young and you just don't take it on board until later. I feel. Mm, I know that's you know, I moved to New York city in March, like I mentioned, and it's such a crazy city. There's so much going on here. And I keep saying to myself, I wish I had moved here in my twenties because for some reason, I feel like that in my mind is the best time for exploration. And I did a lot of that. And now that I'm in my thirties, it's like, I have to have everything figured out, but that's not true. I mean, I could just tell myself I'm in my twenties and it'll be the same, have the same effect, you know? exactly I saw this TikTok that was like the biggest misconception is your 20s are your prime when really they're your primer and then your 30s is your prime I was like yes that's good Mm, I love that because like I was such a shit show in my 20s I don't know about you (laughs) yes I mean and who isn't yes yeah but everyone's pretending that they're not or like trying to convey that and so you just feel like you're the only one who's a bit of a shit show. Yes. Well, and with social media now too, it's like yes. finding that balance of showing your humanness, mm-hmm. but that's almost become like a trendy thing now too, is to be authentic and yes. vulnerable. And it's like so played out. So it's hard yes. to find that balance. So true. Um, okay. Last quick fire question. What's the latest TV show that you binge watched? Oh, I just finished season two of Succession. Have you seen that show? No. I don't know the difference with American shows versus Mm -hmm. what you guys get out there, but it's on HBO and it is phenomenal. It's so good. What's the genre? So it's about this family that is um, like a billionaire media tycoon family. I think Mm -hmm. it's based on the family that owns, um, anyway, I'm going to forget it, but it goes into like the politics and how much of an influence they have and really the demons that come with being that wealthy and Mm -hmm. that successful as a family it's like sad but also has I have more like dark humor I feel like more British humor yeah from someone who's spent very little time over there (laughs) but um it's very much in alignment with that I think it's hilarious awesome Cool. Okay. Let's get into the questions because I have so many. So let's start off to kind of like set the foundations of the conversation. Tell us a bit about 
your let's say food and body journey because I know you create courses that help people kind of like unfuck their food relationship um so how did you get to that point yeah so I started with my dieting days back when I was around 16 years old in high school Mm -hmm. and that all it took was one comment I was just in such a fragile as I think most girls are in high school um, state of yeah. mind with boys and just emotional eating. And I had put on some weight, nothing extreme, but I received a comment from a family member that I needed to stop going back for seconds. And that was the first mm-hmm. time I became aware of my body. And from that moment, I became really into my parents' personal trainer told me I should go on a low carb diet. So that's what I did last week super quickly, then received all the positive affirmation from that. And that's when I was like, oh, people like me better when mm-hmm. I look this way. And so that kind of sent me into the spiral. It was like a part way a control thing and part way a, so control just by controlling food, but also control of controlling other people's perspectives of me mm-hmm. via my body. So that cycle continued. I went to college or what you guys call university, did a lot of binge drinking, binge eating. It was just food did not make any sense to me at that point. It was like, I had no concept of normalcy of my intuition of common sense, even with food. Like my grandparents Mm -hmm. would look at me and be like, what are you doing to food? Like, it's not that difficult, you know? Right. (laughs) But it wasn't until my mid twenties when I stopped been shrinking and doing all the the crazy partying and really started to do some self-reflection meditation. I got really, really into that. I was like, Oh, hey, like part of this is that I just don't know anything about food. I realized like all I had learned was complete bullshit. So I had Mm -hmm. to relearn how to be normal with food, but also relearn how to be better within myself internally. And that combo is really what led me to healing my relationship with food, my body. And then I figured out I don't like working for anybody else. (laughs) So I figured out a way to marry the two, my dreams of always being an entrepreneur and then helping women. Amazing. Oh, the last bit hit home for me. (laughs) It was the exact same for me. I just like, I tried so many jobs in my twenties and I was fine at them. I was good at them, but um, I always had this thing at the back of my mind. Like, I just can't, I just can't work for someone else. Do you know that anxiety when you'd have to put in your holiday days and you'd be like almost scared to ask someone if you could take your holiday days off like and I was just like why am I a grown adult feeling nervous about asking for holiday days that I like deserve like this is ridiculous oh my gosh yeah it just felt it sounds like we're similar in that it felt very very much like a prison Mm -hmm. and I need a lot of autonomy in my life I've always been that way just very curious and explorative and that was that's not conducive to corporate I mean, yeah. corporate America for us, but mm-hmm. whatever that is for you. Yeah, definitely. So I also think your whole food story is just so familiar for so many people. I feel like it's just that, as you said, the vulnerability at that age, being so fragile, wanting validation and that moment where you figure out that people treat you differently based on how your body looks, usually according to like the thin ideal in society. Um, and you mentioned that you what you'd known about food was kind of just bullshit and you had to relearn it. What was it that you had previously learned about food? I had learned that carbs were the source of all illness, all weight gain. That was Mm -hmm. the biggest one. I was, I started dieting at the first iteration of keto 
back in the day. And then Atkins was all the rage. So mm-hmm. carbs are very much demonized. And so the insulin obesity hypothesis was really big at that point where everyone was saying, it's not about calories, it's about carbs. And so I think that distorted a lot of people's relationships with their bodies and food because that wasn't true. So mm-hmm. others and myself would eat lower and lower number of carbs, but then continue to gain weight and continue to feel ill when we were being told that the opposite should be happening. So mm-hmm. that led me to feeling like I was the problem when in reality it was the information that was the problem. Yes. I definitely remember the days I was so scared of any carbs. Like I remember going to Chinese restaurants and you know that they have that like kind of single bowl of rice. And I'd be so terrified to eat even half of it. I was like, no, 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 just have all the meat, have some of the veg and then you're good. And I remember yeah. having to resist that so strongly as well. Oh yeah. I don't think I started eating rice and potatoes again until, until I went to Asia and I ate so much rice and I felt better than ever. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I was so wrong. And the rest of the world, again, just going back to like common sense and simplicity. Yeah, it's, so true. I remember in high school when I was doing that, one of the, one of my parents' friends, he was like, you do realize that in Asian cultures, they've been eating rice as the primary source of their diet for, you know, however many years. And they're some of the healthiest in leanest people on the Mm -hmm. world and I was like just had no time for common sense at that point yes I remember even thinking about that because I at one point got into the whole like vegan um and there's so many different types of vegan and I was coming at it from a really disordered space but one of the strands of it is is high carb high carb low fat and so I was like it helps me open my eyes up a bit more to having more carbs but I still always made some excuse why it was working for like some people, but not me. And I was still scared to eat the carbs. So you came to this realization, you started your business. And then what was like the first sort of offering you put out there to help people? Yeah. So the first one, I started working with women one-on-one kind of just one off to, to really hone in on my skills and make sure that what I was doing was going to work for them. Mm-hmm. And then I released Food Freedom Evolution, which was more of my formal, I packaged all that in a concise way. And then I moved on to group coaching and now it's a self-study course. Mm-hmm. So that was my first one. And that was solely focused on healing your relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And what would you say are like some of the main tenets in that course? Like say like, three main things that someone would need to look at in order to heal their relationship with food? Yeah. So firstly, we do working on your relationship with yourself. So going into the internal, making sure that we have tools to develop mindfulness practices, how to identify and alleviate eating, stress eating, things like that. Mm -hmm. So is there a lack of fulfillment in your life, getting to those root causes? Then we get into the more of the the science-based stuff. So how to the stuff we were discussing, mm-hmm. focus on the truth, the science with food, so that we can peel back all that fear around carbs, processed foods, sugar, all that jazz, mm-hmm. and learning to t- tap into hunger and fullness cues. And then body image is a really mm-hmm. important one as well. Yes. Oh, I think the body image part is so important. Mm-hmm. Just like it's, it's great to like, and so important to work on the food side of things. But if ultimately deep down, you're just like, but no, 
I have to look this way. I have to change this thing, fix this thing about my body to feel happy, lovable, like worthy, then you're never going to make long-term change. Completely. Yes. I mean, you're exactly right. I can tell you all the things, the fact-based things Mm -hmm. to make you blue in the face, but it's not going to work if you still feel very inadequate and with low self-worth. And so you did, you have this course out self-study, like online course, and then you have another course now. What's that? Yeah. So I have two others. So then I had created Sustainably Lean Academy, which Mm -hmm. is, these are all self uh, study courses. And that is a more advanced course focused on women who want to achieve physique goals, Mm -hmm. but also really want to be focusing on maintaining their relationship with food. That was really important to me in creating that course was I noticed there was a lot of dogmatic black and white thinking in the industry with Mm -hmm. you either had to be purely anti-diet or purely let's go extreme and lose weight at all costs. And I I felt like there was really a gap in the middle that I wanted to fill. And so that's what that course is. And then Healthy Habits Foundations, I realized with Sustainable Lean Academy, like, oh, there are a lot of women who still don't have like the basic tenets of a healthy lifestyle down. Like they've gotten rid of their food stuff, but they they still need to hone in or want to rather hone in on some more structure with mm-hmm. basic lifestyle habits so that course is created to fill that gap fascinating I have been thinking the exact same thing about like your second course SLA because I've just noticed as well there's no in between and from my perspective I'm even sometimes just like scared to say oh but if you do want to lose weight like this is what you could do because then you've got like half the people being like no like losing weight is like anti this, anti feminist. It's going back into diet culture. I'm like, no, but like, what if? Because I have people DM me and they're like, I've healed my binge eating. You know, I haven't had any sort of disordered stuff for like a year, but I kind of want to lose some weight. But no one's teaching anyone anyone how to because you're either or. or like, you're, no one's teaching them how to in a as you say, like sustainable, healthy way that won't let yeah. you spiral back into your old ways. Completely, and I think. I ripped the bandaid off on that because I had the same fear for sure. Mm-hmm. Back in, I think it was February-ish, I noticed that more and more people were interested and I was like, I'm going to dip my toe in this and see mm-hmm. how people respond. And then slowly over time, I became more and more convicted in that I'm not going to be for everybody and mm-hmm. some people are going to really not align with it. And I was very transparent on my page. If this isn't for you, that's fine. Um but most people were like very excited and saying, oh, you have everything. You have something for every stage of my journey. Yes. So I think it sounds like the women in your community are the same. And I think you should create something because if we don't create it, then they're going to go to the people who are doing all the fear mongering. Exactly. And- exactly. It's like, that's what got me trapped in my own food issues in the first place is no one had taught me how to sustainably healthily lose weight without having an eating disorder and I think that happens for so many women and if we were just taught like okay like this is how you can do it without ending up binge eating four times a week and like hating yourself then I probably wouldn't have had an eating disorder (laughs) that is so that's why I feel so passionate about it and when I do if I'm very rarely get shit about, you know, talking about weight loss. It's like, guys, the reason that you're in the situation is because no one ever taught you this stuff. Yeah. 
definitely. And they're just filled with bitterness, which I completely understand, but no, I'm with you. Yeah. And so with that succession of the three courses, do you say like prerequisite, if you have food issues, is do the first one before going to the second one? Yes, absolutely. I'm very, I'm actually really proud of the women in my uh, community who I talk about that, but they actually listen, which Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would have had the maturity to do that back in the day Yeah, is they go to free food, freedom, evolution first. They're patient. They take the time. Some women it's six months, some women it's a year and a half, but they Mm -hmm. wait until they feel solid and then they can move on to the other stuff. Amazing. Yeah. That is so good. Um, what do you feel like is the biggest obstacle for women who are struggling with achieving a physique goal? What are the biggest obstacles? So the biggest obstacles I find are how to make adjustments without them mentally thinking, oh, this is going to send me into a spiral. And this is something I actually touched on yesterday is because of all the fear mongering that's been going on on social media. I think a lot of women are feeling like, oh, any type of structure means that I'm doing something wrong where we need to reframe that a little bit. It's okay to quote unquote, tighten things up a little bit sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you're doing anything problematic at the same time though. I strongly believe in women understanding that if you want to make those changes, that's awesome. But you at the same time need to still always remember you're in the driver's seat. The minute you say that those rules are the ones that are superior to you as you know the adult Mm -hmm. that's when things get sticky yes so on point so on point I've really noticed such a massive difference between back when I was struggling with food and and weight versus now where food hasn't been an issue for like three plus years and I feel like really stable and in control with that like not scared of um food in any way that now if there's ever a time I'm like oh I've I kind of just want to like tighten things up in some way. Like maybe I've been kind of like going overboard with the Nutella lately or something mm-hmm. past me would have um, been like, no, no Nutella. now for like the next six months, you're going to do this workout, blah, blah. And like, it would have been so rigid and neurotic and obviously spiraled. And now I feel so safe with food and me being in the driver's seat that I'm not scared to make those decisions. And you always know now that you're so much more clear in your mind after clearing up your food relationship, you can always see if something were to be sliding into like a dodgy place, you would notice that really soon. You'd be like, okay, let's press the brakes. Let's like stop on that thing and like tinker with that in some way. Exactly. You need to give yourself full permission to change or to adjust, to be really flexible Mm -hmm. is, is really important. Definitely. What do you feel like are the ways that someone could work towards physique goals on top of what you just said, like without spiraling into their old ways? Is it just like noticing, like being aware of when things might be spiraling or there are other things that you could do? Yeah, I think so. What I have my women do in SLA is we go through their prior dieting history to identify potential triggers. Right. So if you were a diehard low carber, like I was, for example, then Mm -hmm. maybe you'll notice that that's the first thing that you're going to reach to when it comes to making changes. And that can bring up some of that old stuff, not always, but for some women. Mm -hmm. So it's just understanding your past and how those potential triggers might arise and then planning ahead accordingly to, to mitigate those. Definitely. Yeah. That makes such sense. 
I feel like looking back on my journey as well, one of the big, as I said earlier, I, I went into veganism at one point being like, oh, this will be the solution to lose weight and I'll be so clean, I'll be so healthy. And it was like, obviously great ethically and environmentally, but for me at that time, it wasn't actually a healthy option. Now that I'm clearer with everything, I can choose to be more plant-based and know that that won't trigger me. But when I was coming out of the like murky waters, I stayed away from that trigger for like two and a half years. Cause I was like, no, like that for me was a bad place to be in. But now I think when things are clear, like you can see it's okay now to step back in there. I love that. Yeah. I think that takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of a different type of discipline to stay away from mm, that. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to pause right there for a minute to share something with you. So if you've been listening so far and feel like you're ready to start your recovery journey with me, I've got the perfect springboard. That is my free masterclass, why you're still binge eating and how to stop. It's a 35 minute free video masterclass where I'll walk through all of the reasons you might still be binging. Then I'll give you three actionable steps to stop binge eating. So if you're looking for actual results in your life, want to never binge again, trust me, I know the feeling. I was stuck for 10 years doing that then head to the show notes to get instant access today. I'll also gift you something for joining me at the masterclass, but I'll leave that surprise for you to find out for yourself. Life is just so damn short and it's not worth feeling so miserable, unhappy, unhealthy with binging taking over. So watch the masterclass today to start your new life. Okay, let's get back into the show. So one question I have is like, sometimes people have these like physique goals that may not be realistic for their body type or their genes and it's pushing too far. Like, so how do you know if your goal is healthy or harmful? And do you like advise people and what, what that goal is for them? Yes. So there's a lot of, and this is a lot of controversy in terms of set point. I'm sure mm-hmm. you some people call it the settling point. So your body, you go down and wait, your body adapts. It can take some time for your hormones, what have you to adapt. Mm -hmm. Then you can go down again. Um, So that's like a separate thing relative to when people get to leaner and leaner Mm -hmm. and that body type or that body fat percentage is literally, I mean, we all have a different level of essential body fat that we have. And so I always tell my clients to pay attention to their biofeedback. So mm-hmm. when you're pushing too hard, your body is going to tell you. Mm-hmm. And that is another thing that I wish I had been told. Everyone should be taught this at the age of you know, 12 is, hey, this is the way your body communicates to you. When these symptoms start to show up, that's just a, a signal from your body that something is not going correctly. Mm-hmm. So rather than continue to push and think, oh, something's wrong with my body. No, something is wrong with the approach that you're taking. Mm. So if you're going too far, your body's going to tell you and we need to honor that. And of course, there's a lot of the the mental and emotional work that comes with that. If the idea in your head is not aligned with reality. Right, right. What would be some signals coming from your body that you've pushed too far? Yeah, so I always tell them to pay attention to, and everyone's is a little bit different, but Mm -hmm. sleep, um, to digestion, if you start to get really constipated or bloated, mm-hmm. if you're losing your menstrual cycle, that's also a big one, or it becomes um, very irregular from what it typically is. Mm-hmm. Um, hunger is through the roof, or your appetite is completely gone in general. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just some of the the more common ones. Yeah, 
I feel like something that I notice sometimes when I'm not eating enough or uh, enough calories or even like enough of just the foods I really enjoy, like chocolate, the cravings will be really strong. Like this past mm. week, I've been craving so much chocolate. And yesterday at the shops with my boyfriend, I was like, you know what? I just need to like double what I've been eating the past week. Cause I obviously haven't been eating enough for my body right now. I love that awareness. And that's what it is. It's okay. My body's saying this thing. I don't need to make it into a huge moral issue. Mm-hmm. It's just some, we, we adjust and that's, that's the process. Yeah. I love the way that you said, so, so like calmly, like, and we adjust because it was something that really stood out to me about a year ago when the pandemic, two two years ago, I don't know, when the pandemic hit and we were working from home at the start, I gained like a bit of weight, nothing extreme, but just like being with the kitchen so much, snacking so much, I just gained a bit of weight. And I was like feeling down. I was like, oh, I want to lose some weight and go back to what I was. And I was all sad about it. And like, kind of like victimizing myself and my boyfriend who's never had food issues never like had weight issues or goals or anything he's like been so stable he was just like oh so you want to lose some weight so you just simply adjust this thing or that thing and it's just like that and I was like wow he made it sound so unemotional like so simple which it actually is but we just make it so complicated for ourselves And then from there, I was like, okay, I'm just going to like change two habits and it's easy. Like can just tell yourself it's easy instead of it's hard. Oh my gosh. Amen. I I talked about that yesterday in my stories, but Mm -hmm. known as the nocebo effect, the opposite of the placebo, you know, where we create all these issues before we, if we just approach things with a neutral slate and a neutral Mm -hmm. mindset, like if you had never, ever had a weird thing about food before, how would you approach this situation? Yes it's a completely different reality. And I, I think men particularly who've never had issues with food have a lot to teach everybody. Yes. They see it so simply, so simply. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so how would you lose weight if you wanted to while, I don't know if this is just me not being educated in this or like taking on the, the myths of the industry, but not while not being in this prolonged state of like deficit or restriction and like affecting your metabolism, maybe like end up binging. So how do you, if you have a big weight loss goal, how do you go about that? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of periodization when it comes to nutrition and mm-hmm. your goals. So it, the time frame can vary for, for people. I give my clients different options. So some people prefer, okay, I'm going to go into a deficit for three weeks and then I'm going to take a diet break for a week. Mm-hmm. So this allows your body to go through that state of, okay, I feel safe, but it also gives you that mental relief and you feel like, okay, I'm in control. And yes. you then, you continue to have those habits of this is what it's like to eat at maintenance. Because I think sometimes when you've yes. been in a deficit for too long, the idea of increasing your food intake back up to maintenance, which will eventually need to happen. Mm-hmm. There can come a lot of mental fear with that of mm-hmm. know that I'm just going to gain all the weight again. But if you lay out the science of we have a maintenance level and we have a deficit and we have a surplus mm-hmm. and so often we forget that there's a maintenance. So it's not just gaining or losing. Those aren't yes. the only two realities. Yeah. So understanding, okay, you go into a deficit to lose weight, but then you need to bring it back up to maintenance and give yourself a little bit of wiggle room. You might gain a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's usually just water. And with those couple pounds comes feeling 
a lot better. Yes. Oh, this is so fascinating because intuitively that's what I've always done since I cleared up my food relationship, like this periodization thing. I just didn't know it was a term, but it makes so much sense. Just, it makes it so easy to adhere to your weight loss plan. There's one thing saying like the ideal situation versus adherence. Like there's no point trying to do the ideal diet or the ideal weight loss plan, but you can't adhere to it. So it sounds like periodization not only helps you physically go through that weight loss journey, but also you can actually do it and like stick to it and not go crazy. And as you say, then be scared to be at maintenance because I definitely had that back in the day. I was terrified to eat three meals a day. I was like, there's no way, like I'm going to gain weight if I go back to three meals a day. Mm -hmm. And uh, completely, I think because that's another one of those things where it, we were completely sold on misinformation. So if someone had told you, told us back in the day, you know, a deficit is different from maintenance, but you shouldn't be living in a deficit. That's when the binging starts to happen. That is when the health issues start to arise. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of the most important messages I want to send to women is maintenance is where you should be living. Yes. Yes. Looking back at it, I must have lived in some sort of a deficit for years and years with the obviously spurts of binging to for your body to make up for it. Cause obviously you can't be in this prolonged restriction for that long. Um, and it was, yeah, just like tormenting. And I always see these like reels and TikToks of young girls, teenagers, or girls in their 20s just kind of joking about how they've been on a diet for like forever, like for years. And I'm like, oh God, this is just destroying us. And on a broader level, it just, because it's predominantly a a women thing, like dieting. Mm -hmm. And just on a broader level, thinking about how many women and teenagers are living in this depleted state physically and then emotionally and mentally while men are just like chilling out there (laughs) doing their thing and we're just all like stuck trying to make ourselves smaller going about it the wrong way as well it's just painful to see oh I know it's so tragic I mean if I ever have a daughter I'm so grateful for my journey to know what not to do if I have one and what to teach her to save save from that hell Yes, same. Even just having worked as well like with one-to-one and group coaching clients and hearing just all the things that parents, usually mothers, will say to their daughters that are so triggering. Like, I mean, like even the thing that you had of, oh, are you really going to go for the second plate? I had my father. I remember it so clearly at 15. I was ordering, I was eating a whole pizza at dinner at a restaurant and like happily, you know, just, I did so much sports, was like, whatever, and he, instead, in front of everyone, was like, you better be careful, because, you know, once you hit 17, 18, your metabolism is going to drop, and you will gain so much weight from eating a pizza, and I remembered it, I remember laughing at it, like, haha, like, whatever, I can eat a whole pizza, but it stuck with me ever since. Oh, completely. I hate how those things, it's like your squishy little brain at that age just soaks it all up. Yes. Yes. And it it brought to my mind another fear-mongering phrase. Someone in a generation above said as well, my boyfriend, when I was 18, his mom um, was like really into her appearances. And she said, oh, you know, you better tell Breed to 
be careful because a moment on the lips is a lifetime on the hips. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I've got to be so careful with everything I eat now. Oh, and to see that just modeled so normally by a woman is mm-hmm. so sad as if that's like the the toll we pay for yes. Yes. being women. Yes. And even the the frequency in which it's said and the weight that it holds, it's like it's the most important thing as a woman to watch how you look and like this is where your value lies, which then feeds into the whole dieting and weight loss situation anyway. Oh, completely. Oh, I'm starting to to realize some of that with getting older. And again, I'm only 32, but the standards now, I mean, it's insane with all the stuff people are getting done to their face. And I'm yes. like, are we going to look back at this the same way we look back at dieting and be like, what have we yeah. done? Yes, yes, definitely. It is so much. It's like, there's always those joke TikToks or something where it's someone in our generation looking back at how we used to dress or like take photos or how our social media looked when we were like 13, 16 versus how they look now when they're 13 and 16 and they're like perfect, like contouring makeup, lashes, amazingly curled hair. And back then I just looked like such a dweeb. Oh my gosh, completely. And I loved those dweeby years. I feel so badly that kids don't get those years now. You know, there's no in between. They don't get the dweeby years. No, those are healthy years to have. (laughs) It's actually funny because I was randomly looking at old Facebook photo albums. And you know, back in the day where you could put like, you would you would go out and you'd put the entire night's photo album up there, like a hundred photos. They were all like shitty photos and no one cared. No one filtered like what you'd put up there. And it was just like yeah. silly stuff. And I was looking back at some old ones when I was like 16. And it was just so funny. <laughs> it was just so funny to see like all the fun that you had. And I feel like now maybe that fun, the candid fun wouldn't be like captured or you wouldn't remember it. Oh, I know. I'm sure it's like a bazillion filters are thrown on it. You have to, I mean, selfies like weren't a thing back in the day. Yeah. So it was very unattractive candid shots other people were taking and it was just a free for all. (laughs) It was. Um, Okay. So let's switch gears because I really want to ask you more biz questions as well. Yeah. Um, So how long have you been running your business? So I started posting on Instagram summer 2017 mm-hmm. yeah 2017 um but I didn't start actually coaching until 2018 okay and so was the initial posting just like you kind of like tiptoeing into it and building it up yeah there? it was yeah. a very iterative process because it was I was just afraid honestly it was mm-hmm. nerve-wracking starting to talk about stuff that was still I still had a little bit of shame around the fact that I had had this journey with food so mm-hmm. then the only people I had following me were my friends and family. So talking about that openly with them felt uncomfortable. So I just had to slowly take the steps. And then I started getting on stories and, you know, slowly built from there. Yes. It's interesting that you had your family and friends because I did the complete opposite. I like literally didn't tell anyone that I was starting my Instagram account. I told my sister, I think. And then I like built it up. And it was literally about a year later that I told my friends that I had this account. And then by then I had like started my business. And the most fascinating thing was when I told two of my best friends about the account, they like in front of me went and checked it out and like read the bio and what it's all about. 
I had never told them about my food problems and they were so chill about it. They were like, oh yeah, like I've totally done that too. Like I still binge sometimes. And I was like, oh my God, I wish I had told them this back in the day because I was just all alone in the, the whole spiral. Oh, I love that. It sounds like you have really great friends too, that they were just right yeah. off the bat really supportive. Yeah, defo. So you started the account, you started the one-to-ones, and then I know you did Amy's course on mm-hmm. learning how to make, did you do OCA or also the Passive Income Academy? So Passive Income Academy, because I had done another course through Rachel Bell. I don't know oh, if okay. you're familiar with her. Yeah. Um, but she has a course also called OCA. It's Online yes. Coach Academy or Online Coach Accelerator. Um, and that was a group coaching business program. So I did that. And that's when my business really took off. I was doing more high ticket pricing mm-hmm. and working really closely with women. So I did one-on-one with that and then transitioned to group and then turned it into a self-study course and turned it passive. Mm-hmm. And so the, the first course that you turned self-study, that was like, you didn't do a course to make that course. You just made it. Are you asking, did I like have a course to teach me how to make the yeah. course? Yeah. Yeah. So in um, Online Coach Accelerator, Rachel Bell's program, she walked through kind of how to put together a course properly to make sure that uh-huh. it maps according to properly for the intended outcome okay for your clients I didn't know she does that because I've definitely looked into her program and I just assumed it was just for like one-to-one and group Mm, she teaches you everything from copywriting to marketing she's really big on those two um to how to structure a course how to put it together Mm -hmm. how to do sales calls how to do all that stuff which praise be I no longer do sales calls but (laughs) that was such an important part of the process Mm-hmm. For me to get comfortable doing that and learning how to overcome objections and to to really sell sell live on the phone was really helpful for me. I still get her marketing emails because I sign up for the wait list for OCA and I didn't go through with it yet, at least. And her copywriting is on point. I'm like glued to my seat, just like reading the whole email, even if the topic isn't like relatable for me. I'm just like, wow, her copywriting is amazing. Uh, it's so key. I know I was listening to a podcast the other day on Tim Ferriss's podcast, and he had a couple entrepreneurs on there doing a case study, and they were talking about copywriting books that they read. And I was like, shit, I think I need to get back into my copywriting studying because mm-hmm. I mean, marketing is marketing is half the battle. Yes, yes, definitely. That's why I got the Passive Income Academy because I have I have two courses and the first one I put out it must be like a year and a half ago and the marketing of it is it's so unpredictable I found without passive income academies learnings like having a the webinar funnel um that's why I got that but it's still like I've I've had definitely much better months but I still find you you still have to do the marketing to get people into the funnel to go to the webinar and yes that's what I'm that's what I want to ask about so how what are your like main ways to get people to view your webinar so I tinkered around with ads at the beginning so mm-hmm. end of 2020 beginning of 2021 and I ended up turning those off in like March ish mm-hmm. and 
I've had a great year thus far organically. So I would mm-hmm. say I leveraged the building of the list that ads gave me, but then mm-hmm. at the same time, so much of the organic has been having new courses, but also having, doing a lot of warm selling in the DMS. Mm-hmm. So getting them to go to the webinar that way. And stories has been one of the biggest things. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I leverage a lot of Amy's strategies from her stories mm-hmm. of interacting with my audience and then showing my expertise and then leading them to the masterclass. Like if you want right. to learn more about this. So I think it's multifactorial of so many different organic strategies, you know, yeah. reels and yeah. all that stuff. Did And so when you did ads, I'm assuming that was Facebook ads, like Facebook, Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, yeah. And did it feel like you got in a return on your investment? Yeah. So at the beginning, it was more testing and we mm-hmm. were still breaking even, which was mm-hmm. fine by me because my list was growing by a lot. Yeah. So, and I was, the way I have my funnel set up is I have a little bit more. So I have a couple different cycles beyond the initial email sequence mm-hmm. after they come into my course or into the funnel. So even if they don't purchase upon the first one, they're then kicked into another series of emails mm-hmm. to show my expertise. And then they're asked to join the webinar again. So I have people going through that from that initial, they'll still be in my funnel like four months later and uh, can wow. buy wow. four months after the fact. Interesting. I definitely need to look into that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I slack a lot with emails because personally, I don't buy that much from emails. Maybe I do. And I just don't know. Cause it's like, it's just that warming up. But I feel like I project my own, like how I react to content. I project that to everyone. I'm like, I assume then everyone else feels the same way as me, which is obviously untrue. Totally. I mean, I, I think it depends on the generation because Mm -hmm. I think we're probably more social media people, Mm -hmm. but, or at least Instagram. And that's what I realized in Facebook. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a whole untapped market in here that I would not typically reach on Instagram. Yeah, there's just a typical demographic. And then the same people who tend to hang out in on Facebook are also hanging out in their email. Mm, so true. The older generations, like my dad spends all of his time on email. I don't know how he gets anything done. You know, it's <laughs> like that. Obviously, they don't need to be my dad's age. But um, yeah, it's just a difference in the type of people that we can reach. Yeah, so true. So true. After you did OCA, was it a gentle increase or was this something that really was like a tipping point that changed everything? Yeah. So what I noticed, and I think Rachel's talked about this, those who are successful in OCA, which I was, is I had had a solid, gosh, year and a half of consistent content leading up to before I joined. So I think that just helped with some people in my audience were familiar. I was comfortable with my message so that when I signed up, And energetically, I was ready to go. It was like, Mm. this is going to happen. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but where there was like, I don't know how this is going to work, but it's going to work. Yeah. So with that energy, I decided before I had even sold out that first round, which allowed me to quit my job that I was Mm going to quit because I was, my health was like very on the fritz. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a couple different factors. I don't know how woo-woo you are, but I feel like there was an energetic element to that. But within a month and a half of joining OCA, I sold out my uh, high ticket offers and was able to quit my job. Amazing. That's so cool. 
I get I totally get the the when you're like on board like this is the way nothing else is gonna happen like I'm gonna make this work kind of energy I Mm -hmm. completely felt that going into passive income academy I was like this is it because I I listened to her stories her podcast everything and I really relate to her so much like mm-hmm. her lifestyle is like exactly the lifestyle I want to live like massages every other day and stuff and I was like okay if she can do it I can do it we're gonna make this happen like let's do this and yes. it really like things definitely picked up a lot from there but I feel like I've like hit some road block or something and I'm just trying to like figure out what that is basically but I'm going to figure it out. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I think that's normal. Once you initially launch, launch the masterclass, you get an influx of sales from that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, how do I keep people going into the top of the funnel? Like you discussed. Yeah. So the organic lead strategy is I think what everyone struggles with. And um, I myself, I'm constantly thinking of ways to be creative because I mm-hmm. think everyone's doing the same vanilla stuff now. Yes, it's so true. So figuring out a way to stand out. And I think reels are better for some industries than others. I know that's a controversial statement, but I think they're great for business and for more tactical stuff, Mm -hmm. but how well they translate to the kind of stuff we do. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. Final question. What's one thing your future self would tell the you now? to stop overthinking everything. And that's also a message to my current self is that if I, I do so much better when I live a life that is more in flow and the grasping for control in whatever aspect of my life that is, that only slows you down and actually is less safe than what my brain is trying to convince me of. Mm, Love that. Definitely relates for me too. (laughs) It's a hard one. Yes, it is. It is very much easier said than done. How can people find you? Where can they find you? And how can they work with you? Yeah, they can find me. I'm primarily hanging out on Instagram. So my handle is Jesse J-E-S-S-I-E-M, Golden. Mm-hmm. And all of my courses, everything, you can find me over there. Amazing. It was so cool to have you here. I'm sure everyone loved this episode. Thank you for your time. And everyone, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for having me. And that's the scoop for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new that you can start applying to your life. It really helps my podcast to grow and reach more women who are struggling as well when you rate and review. So if you got a spare minute, I would appreciate it so much if you could rate and review. And if you took something from this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with someone in your life. Change someone's day, mood, or even their life. Be that person. I know I absolutely love it when my sister sends me podcast episodes. It just shows me she's thinking of me and she wants to help me elevate alongside her. As always, feel free to DM me on Instagram at freewithbreed. I'm always open for feedback and let me know what you want me to speak about on the podcast because after all, this podcast is for you. Okay, that's it from me. Have a wonderful rest of your day and I will see you next time.